0: I bring you greetings from the people of St. Luke's Church in Atlanta. If you ever come our way, please do come see us. We are eager to have more friends. Um, It is wonderful to be with you today. So we have just read, essentially, a biblical status update from the temple. Thank you, God, that I am not like other people. Hashtag do better, everyone. So my first thought was how I feel when reading about the entire British system of electing a prime minister, but it's probably too soon to make a joke about that. Um, And I am sorry, but I do hope that they get to enjoy these readings today, because wouldn't that be fun for them? (laughs) Thank you, God, that I am not like other people. Might be the needlepoint that we all need framed above our desks individually and collectively, don't we all just do that? Are we not, all of us, inclined to notice what we get right? Maybe it's ironic that the very things that are designed to help us to loosen our grip on our pride can themselves become our sources of pride. If only he were humble and modest like me, I have actually thought, and probably said out loud, right? Or hardworking and discerning, or self-sacrificing and persistent, or sincere and compassionate, or political and passionate, or sober and struggling, or an outsider and truth-teller, if only, like me, then we could walk cheerfully side by side into God's future where I know I am already going. A mirror held up to us all, that our very sincere path contains within it a trap of alienation and judgment of one another. Because we can so often take what is truly a virtue, even a hard-won virtue for ourselves, and turn it into a comparison with others. Social media is literally designed to do this to us. One person's sincere sharing of a delight, a joy, can easily become the focus of envy, and we get to tell them, right? Or not believed, this did not happen, is a very popular Twitter response. Or a sort of randomly applied critique of the ways things are, hashtag privilege, right? How presumptuous to use that powerful sign of penitence, the beating of the chest. How dramatic when he is doing work for which he should be penitent. You can't make the problem and then get to repent. I'm sure you can hear that even in attempting to name it, I'm doing it like a personalized gilded hand mirror put up in front of all of our faces. Some clever person put this, this reading in right for the height of the election season. <laughs> Luke 18 begins this way. Then Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray always and not to lose heart. There was a judge who feared nothing and a widow in need. And then we get this story. The widow we hear does not pray, but is persistent in her pleas for help to a judge who has no moral compass. And it seems that out of just annoyance, he grants her what she needs. It is her perseverance that is rewarded, her persistence. And then this story, two guys walk into a temple. Isn't it good news that God hears you and me, whoever we are, Those of us that have not followed the checklist or cannot imagine a way out of the compromises of our lives, or aren't sure how to budget for the pledge we'd like to make, or are too anxious to do the brave things we know we should do, who come to God as the ones God has told us how not to be. Isn't it good news that God listens to our self-satisfied striving and envy, and positioning, and to the sincerest laments of our hearts. And it seems that there is no requirement of anything at all to be heard. No baptism, no creeds, no affiliations, no ornaments, no righteousness. And we know that in the life of prayer, our most desperate prayers, like that of the tax collector, grieved of everything, it sounds like, those times we know we need God to intervene because we cannot live with what has been done, what is about to be done, what we are doing, when we need help and the silence is endless and the life not finished ends. The, carving, the cravings do not quiet. The fear does not disappear. The help does not come. Where is our little children loving God when we have been persisting, when we cannot find justice or peace in our communities, when understanding more just hurts more, when the cycles of devastation and discrimination in our public life rise up again, when disease comes with no way out that we can see. In my mother's hometown, there is a Syrian Orthodox Cathedral Church that is one of her family's churches And there's a desk to the side when you come in where you can order a service to be said for you for a very, very small fee. So when anything really tough comes up in our lives, and we all live in the U.S., my mother will send one of my cousins who lives locally over there to fill out the form and write down our names and pay the two rupees so that our prayers are said there. I think it's something like 60 rupees to a dollar is the conversion right now, and I might be low on that. So I always have a little list when I go there as well. It takes a whole lot of prayer to get you to $1 at that place. Mm. <laughs> now, I know I can say prayers as well as from, from anywhere, and I've got a book like you do. I can even dedicate the altar flowers. I can light a candle. But I will confess to you, I feel better when I imagine my name as one of the many on those stacks of thin paper in a language that I cannot read in a pile on the altar while a stranger chants the service over them and our needs. The sincerity of this strange task, calling out to God, well, actually, it's Mary there in the place where my family does that and has done that, people I barely know, who don't really understand why our name has been sent this time. And isn't there something about the truth claim there, that I too am a two-rupee sinner, afraid and in need of grace, and very specifically, some healing that I cannot figure out how to generate. Friends, God sees you and does not compare you to anyone else. God is waiting with a handful of mercy to sprinkle on your head like so much confetti, the kind you will find in the carpet forever, the compostable, pet-safe kind, (laughs) waiting for you and sees you distinctively with no comparisons. All is well. Dietrich Bonhoeffer in prison awaiting his execution for the failed attempted assassination of Hitler. Bonhoeffer, with a life of delight and studiousness ahead of him, whom so many tried to save, in imprisonment imprisonment wrote this prayer that one community I was once a part of used as our dismissal after services. He wrote, whatever this day may bring, thy name be praised. It is said he prayed it as he walked to the executioner. I suspect that at the heart of the parable we have today is a life without the clear focus of a Bonhoeffer and the Nazis, lives like ours. Our Pharisee friend has the perceived freedom to do all of the right things without stepping into the crucible of the truest things. Somehow he has become oriented to a God who judges like him sort of a sassy, petty God whose bite is to be feared. But this is not who we meet today. I invite you to join me in inviting the living God into the parts of your life that need some grace. How fortunate we are to lay it all down, every last thing. Don't overthink it. If you think you need some grace, you do. God waits for you. The teacher, the banker, the activist, the failure, There they are, alongside you in this journey with saints and martyrs, refugees and prisoners, your political opponents, and those who are almost as correct as us. Friends, God is like a wacky old parent who cannot forget that child who was so cruel, running down the path to welcome you home.